Welcome everybody uh, to our fourth podcast now and this week's guest is our first professional player Tyrone McCarthy. Uh, Tyrone has an 11 year and counting international career with Ireland uh, which at the moment is 18 caps and, and, and four tries. He's presently uh, playing for Salford. Uh, so hello Tyrone and, and where are you joining us from? Hi mate, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm in my hometown back, at, back in Warrington. Okay and obviously not playing at the moment. Uh, are you keeping yourself fit and, and, and hoping to return to competition you know, in the next couple of months? Yeah, I've um, been keeping up with like a home programme and just just training, but obviously it's not, not the same as as the, are, are as intense as it would be when you're back with a club. But just ticking over, just waiting for the call, really. Um, still everything up in the air with the game and the, and the return to play. So, But yeah, hopefully won't be too, too far behind now. Uh, Keep trying to keep as fit as best as I can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of a lot of the players are obviously doing that. Have you made you a little bit of time with your family? Yeah, um, I pretty much took on looking after the little one full time. Why uh, my wife? She's she's continued to work throughout the lockdown. So yeah, but the little one she started walking. So she's been running rings around me, just trying to keep keep her entertained. But that was it's great, you know. To spend that time with her, obviously I wouldn't get to do that normally when I, I'd be training every day. So, no, it's, it's it's lovely that you get to see them develop. Yeah, no, there is there is some real difficult parts of COVID, but of course there are some other things to enjoy. But that that's great to hear. You've got got that time in that regard. So, listen, really keen to hear about you know your 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 eleven year career and counting with with, with Ireland because this is really focusing about uh, European development, but. Before that, you know, I always ask somebody, what was your first experience of rugby league, Tyrone? Um, I, I, my first experience, I can always remember going down to Warrington and uh, watching Warrington Wolves, and I think they just changed the name, and uh, obviously in the old, at Wilderspool. And I just, <laughs> one of the first, one of the things I remember is that under snookers, the, that's where my dad used to stand, and I used to just always mess around at the back of the, um, at the back of the little stand there but then in terms of the actual within the family it was my brother that actually started playing a good few years before I did I was playing with foot, playing football before then I obviously realised I wasn't very good at that and then tried my hand at rugby then but yeah um, those days at Wilderspool watching them when obviously they weren't, weren't too good but they had some great players over the years Yeah a passionate crowd at Wilderspool yeah. yeah, and uh, it's funny really, as I, as I started, grew up and obviously started becoming a passion, my brother played for the, the academy and the reserves at Warrington, I'd always used to get down and by the time they used to play before the first team and I'd always be stood in the middle of the Fletcher Street end for the for the main game because I'd, I'd been there two hours prior to that game. And so yeah, lots of fun memories and like you say, it was a real vocal crowd and and the old thing of changing ends and stuff like that. So it was, yeah, kind of really good memories of the place. Sure. And what's your connection with with, with Ireland? What what's actually is the, the heritage you have there, Tyrone? Yeah, my, my grandparent, my, my granddad, he's he's from Connacilty in, in West Cork, and he's a, he's a very proud Irishman, and he, he pretty much all summers and I, I pretty much grew up with him. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then obviously all, all that side of the family 
cost themselves as pretty much as Irish as as they can. Um, but yeah, and then but over the but so my granddad was kind of adopted when he was a young kid, and he he we've then since gone back to Ireland in the last ten years, and then we've actually found his his blood family. So it's kind of been a been a nice story for my granddad and. Um, and he's a real proud family man, and that's probably kind of resonated throughout my my childhood. And and when it comes to deciding who I wanted to put put my hat, my hat onto, then that's yeah. why I kind of swayed that way. And whether it's the adopted family side or the blood family side, is is that um, obviously you've still got that family over there, and is that something yeah. that you're regularly in contact with and visits as well? Yeah, so I think it was 2000 that the whole family went over to his home village of Clannacillity and uh, he hadn't been back since I think he was 17, 18. Um, and then we, we knocked on to the, the old farm that he grew up on and then pretty much his, his adopted family answered the door and they couldn't have been more welcoming. Same family there, like, a, like his brother, I suppose, and Pat welcomed us all in. And then ever since they go back and spend a month there every year, and that's like generally the the whole family makes a visit. And I I go and try and visit when I'm over with playing with games or any free time I I've, I've got. I'll, I'll go and nip over and like I say, he's he's now in contact with his his blood family, and so that 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 big uh, family tree has just grown and grown over the last uh, last ten years. And keep finding people in Australia, America, Canada. Uh, and then, but yeah. what's great is that they've all like got in touch with each other and stayed in touch. Yeah. So, so you obviously through your granddad, and but for yourself, the through your granddad and investment and time over there, you've got a really strong affinity with Ireland. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, you get a lot a stick sometimes being a heritage player and and you, you're not Irish and all this sort of stuff. And obviously, it does hurt because I've I've got my Irish citizenship, my class myself as Irish um, and the only way I can prove that is by going out and, and putting all my effort and endeavour in, in the games that I do get to represent that sure. country. Sure okay well before we get into your Irish career just follow through on your on your development as a player as a youngster and one of the stepping stones you had was to play for the Great Britain Ireland students um, something I did as well uh, I think I played against Moldova in Doncaster John Keir was the coach but oh. yours was a, a, a well meant to be a full-blooded test series against Ashy Sears against the Australians but uh, this was in 2007 but it didn't really work out for you too well did it no uh, I remember it so uh, I was just on playing my trade in the academy at Warrington and obviously you kind of didn't really ever think that I'd get to represent the Great Britain side, to be honest. I didn't think I would be good enough, but then the opportunity came in. Paul Fletcher was the coach. He's, I think he's still involved as the head coach now, I'm not too sure, but he, uh, I remember him not picking, not starting me and calling me a maverick and that. And, uh, I was thinking, I don't think I'm anything near that. And then I come on the pitch, kicked a ball, we nearly went the full length. And I think on the second or third touch, uh, I snapped my cruise ship. So, like you say, it wasn't the, the uh, greatest of memories, but obviously it was still a, an honour to go and represent Gritman Island in a, in a series like that. Sure. And of course, things you know kept moving for you. Two years later, you're making your debut for, for Warrington. 
uh, and your third appearance at that level is 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 a sub at, at Wembley. You know that 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 must have been quite yeah. surreal. Yeah, it was, and as you said, like, with that injury at that time in my, my like my actual career, and with my age of. I was 18, 19, and a lot of lads were making their debuts at 17, 18, and I still hadn't, and then I'd just done a cruciate, so I was thinking, oh, has my time gone? But fortunately, I was at university, so I kind of had a um, a focus there. And if anything, I think that, and as my training progressed in the summers with, with the, the first team, obviously the opportunity come to pick up my debut, I think, primarily because they had they had qualified, uh, reached the final, and they were putting a few, wrapping a few boys up in cotton wool, and not not wanting to get them injured, and made my debut against Wigan away, and um, and that in itself was a, I don't, I just literally come back from a knee operation from a separate one. It was like a bit of a clean out from obviously the the damage that had been done, so I'd been out for a good four weeks, and then and. I'd, Done one session and I was making my debut at probably one of the toughest away grounds to go to. Yeah, sure, that's for sure. Yeah, sure. So you've come to prominence. You you, you get yourself in the first team and and get that. And it's it's only natural then to come the end of the season that Ireland. It, how, how did it work? I mean, Andy Kelly was the coach, I think. So did he contact you or did you reach out to him? You know, to to establish the the, the potential to play for Ireland. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, obviously, I think because of. As you mentioned, with me playing in the final, there was a bit of media hype around it, with it only being my third game. And I think I always remember from right at the beginning where you get to sign your sheets who you're eligible for. I only ever ticked Ireland, so yeah. whether they already knew, um, well, yeah, they did know actually, because the year before I was in the, the squad to go to the World Cup, um, but unfortunately missed out on the final 24. Because we we just played in a World Cup students, so okay. I was going to get two trips to Australia in one year. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I missed out. And then, I kind of on the off the back of that, I was on the radar. And then, yeah, Andy Kelly was the coach, and I remember receiving the letter actually. And then that was kind of you you made the cut, um, which was a real proud moment. Sure. And, and and that's a proud moment. And then obviously you made your debut that year against Serbia. Given you know that such a strong affinity, and for someone like your granddad, what what did that mean for him to know that his grandson was going to play for Ireland? Um, yeah, well, we, we flew him over for the game because he lives in England now. But yeah, we, him, my brother, and my dad, we flew over, and I don't think they realised how far Tullamore was from Dublin. <laughs> So they ended up getting picked up, and but once he was there, and I remember singing like the national anthem. You could see him, like, I won't say bawling, but there was obviously a tear in his eye. And I think um, my brother had represented Ireland previously uh, in Moscow, and well, I think when you know you've made him that proud too, it's it's kind of there's nothing that can compare to it, and that's the kind of the the thing that I think of most when when I'm there, and it's it is family and what it means. Yeah, to family. Obviously, family means different things to different people. But I've got a, a real good network of behind me and, and just really supportive. So um, to have that throughout all my life, I'm pretty fortunate. Sure, and obviously, very, very proud moment. Who just give us an idea of some of the the major players that for Ireland at that time who you were lining up with? 
Yeah, well, uh, like Stu Little, who's the head coach now, he was in that game. There was Carl Fitzpatrick, and, and then the mainstays were like the Bob Bezik, Scott Griggs, and Liam Finney, who obviously played with for the over the years. Um, uh, Barry and Tess, they were the assistants too. So there was quite a few, obviously, high-profile people involved. Um, I'm trying to think of. I remember what I played centre that day though too. So it was a, I was playing out of position, but yeah. so I didn't care. We and we won. I think eighty-two nil or something like that. But yep. I didn't even manage to get a try either. <laughs> <laughs> Playing centre, you didn't manage uh, to get over. You, that the winger, the winger must have had a host of tries. Right? You're yeah, just very that, generous, Tyrone. That, that was my excuse after it. <laughs> I said, "Well, my winger scored four. <laughs> <laughs> Great, and and obviously, you know. Um, it's just after you say a World Cup, and 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 the next one's coming up. You know, five years later, twenty thirteen, we'll come to that. But you know, it it, it the end of season internationals. You know, you, listening to you about your family affinity and what it means. You know, it's, it's the great pool. But in terms of at the end of a long season um, for your club, and you know, nobody's making any money at these internationals. It, it it does take you know guys to be significantly committed, and and you've got to know that the guys who turn up, they, they want to be there. You know, is that part of knowing when you go into camp that everyone's made some sacrifices to be here? Yeah, definitely, and uh, and even more so with the lads who part time because uh, I, I'm part that even though we don't get rewarded through through playing them internationals, that I know that my salary stays the same if I do or don't. So some of the lads who then have to take time off work to to go and represent. That, uh, so they're actually getting it's costing them money to go and play for for the country. Yep. It just that, like you say, it shows the level of commitment that's there um, and how passionate they are. And, and just touching on how it feels too is that for me, I look, obviously I love playing the game regardless, but it kind of takes you back to when you're a kid and why you play it because there's no other like, ex- external reasons why you have to be there. It's just because you love playing and you get, obviously it's a massive honour to go and represent your country alongside people who are, who are like-minded. Yeah, sure. And uh, you obviously played for a number of years and then going into the 2013 World Cup, you, you were named as the vice-captain, but I think the injury uh, injury situation came along again for you, did it? Yeah. Um, so, that, that World Cup here, like it was a great World Cup, and like when you mentioned about stories and stuff, the the couple that springs to mind. But that was a, I think we were in the. If there was ever a group of death with Fiji and England and Australia, I think that, that was the one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the following next few years was, like, say about that commitment, uh, and then I did have picked up a had a hand operation in twenty fourteen. Then I'd signed for St. George in 2015, so they wanted me to go and do the full pre-season, and which started November, so it meant I couldn't really represent Ireland. And then the year after was uh, 2016. Oh, I flew back, but there was a bit of mis- miscommunications uh, within admin about my availability, but I ended up paying for a flight back to come come and play, and then... I wasn't named in the squad, so um, 
and um, like I say, the, the big thing about commitment, I was, it always hurt me that I didn't want to be one of the players that just turned up for World Cups and then there I was turning up for a World Cup the year after. So, um, and it gives you that because some of the lads who don't who hadn't played with you in, in between years, they might uh, they probably did have a perception of I was one of those players, but hopefully I like to think that I've to like got their opinion changed and shown that that I'm I'm all about the the, the fight and the cause too. Sure, sure, and in some ways, you know, it's bringing together this group of players to. to to make them collectively stronger than the sum of their individual abilities and probably speaks that notion of camaraderie. It, with all the coaches you work with in Ireland, what was this, What was the ways they developed that camaraderie leading into, you know, going, going, going over to the first international camp, getting ready for the first international and keeping it going over that two or three week process or even over five weeks at a World Cup? So you you just cut out and sorry. Sorry, mate. sorry about it. So I'm just saying, um, you know, to to playing for Ireland, it all, yeah. all often was about making sure that they, they were collectively stronger than some of the individual abilities of the players, and probably speaks to that camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, in respect of um, you know coming together in a short period of time, so what were all the different ways that coaches like Andy Kelly and Mark Aston used to to bring that camaraderie to the fore amongst the Irish team? Well, yeah, um, I think a lot of it's just kind of the, the social side does does play a part, and you you go and have a few beers together and make sure you you enjoying it. But that that I think that kind of focus is is about the whole camp, and is we're all there to enjoy ourselves and making sure that everyone's looking after each other too, and so no no one ever gets left behind, whether that's on the training pitch or anywhere. And, um, I think. I remember one of the first things we did, we we just wrote a lot, what we thought. You had to go through the team, and this was with Andy Kelly, and you had to go and name what you thought was their, a positive attribute they were bringing. And, uh, and that for being my first involvement in, in the scene, it was like, it's like everyone loves praise, and I think you, you've got like 20 pieces of praise right in front of you that have come from your teammates. And I thought that was really, really, like, really made a difference, and especially for someone new coming into the group, because them lads have obviously had the experiences and played together, and, and like we say, the stories that go on in the camaraderie and, and what what so so. I think it's it's about that, and I think sharing them stories at the beginning of each camp, like it gets the the new lads excited and the lads who are existing. Um, yeah, it's nice to reminisce about those times. Now, you talk about the stories there. Um, knowing Stuart Littler, there must be some good stories about Stuart Littler that you can talk about <laughs> on here. Or, or I'm sure I'm sure some of the Warrington players would like to hear some stories about their chief executive, Carl Fitzpatrick. What, what, what can you offer, Tyrone? Um, well, about them two. I, oh, I don't know about them two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always remember one. Um, well, I think when Fitzy had a beer, he didn't like to keep his shirt on, so... But no, they they both enjoyed it. They both obviously played with loads of passion and and heart. And I think that obviously, but they, they knew how to have a good time off the pitch. And obviously, Stu's our head coach now, and he uh, it's it's great to see him in that different light because he is pretty he is really switched on. And I think you can kind of lose that when you know that someone new you can have a, 
a good time. You kind of not tarnish is not the right word, but it can stay with you. But Stu's really, really fo- focused, and I think that's probably where he was as a player too. He, he knew the, the right times to switch on, and then the times to have a a good time. Now, what, at some point, you must have stopped uh, assisting other people with tries. Do you, do you recall your first try? For- um, the first, oof, I think it was against Fiji. Um, well, that's the one I, I only remember. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that was in the World Cup, and I think we was about t- it might have been ten nil down, and uh, I scored just a dive overdrive um, from the way half and. But just I remember the feeling of that. It was kind of the same feeling that I could say it was as, as scoring at Wembley. I, I felt in that one moment, you know, like in such a, a big occasion and a big game, it just kind of meant so much. But unfortunately, it wasn't to to be on that day. So that's that's quite a comparison to make, you know. Um, you know, obviously it was a, it was in a big game as a World Cup match, but. You know, Wembley is so iconic, but that, that yeah. that's the depth of feeling you have for Ireland, isn't it, Tyrone? That that would mean the same to you, you know, particularly given the the, the aspects you talked about your family. Yeah, definitely. And I think, because I, I remember when I was lining up and where the family were and where I scored, it must have been less than 20, 30 metres. And I just thought, like, you just have all them feelings. And, like, when I scored for Warrington, the the challenge got five minutes. Like you score, you look up, and all these fans, and like say half the people probably I know are say I two in the street. And um, but for Ireland, it's just a, it was like it was because it is deeper than <clears throat> what people get to see. It's about a passion and an underlying thing that's just it's just within you. And to know that you've you've gone and done something that's representing not just the country but them people that you care about most sure and, and the joy that it brings to them is i don't think you can replicate that in in any other way yeah and um, just there's also an aspect you talked about the team and everyone looking after each other and obviously there's there's professional players like yourself and there's always been you know domestic quarters but in effect domestic players yeah What's the what are the way you've best seen how that that mixture's been put together? You know, to the to, to the best um, um, uh, best opportunity for the team. You know, mixing that that blend of backgrounds and playing abilities. Yeah, and it's, it's a real difficult one um, to kind of pinpoint what is the best solution. Obviously, the development of the game has always got to be uh, at the forefront of what what you do at the international level. But for me, like playing for Ireland, you, sh- you shouldn't be given a cap because you're from a particular area or you're born in a country. In that country, it should be the best players on, who are available get to play and, and represent the country. And um, But I'd say the way that we've been doing it in the last two or three years in terms of what we're... And, Obviously, that's going to take commitment from Stu and, and adding what we can from from the professional environment. They've got to add more than just being their ability on the pitch. There's got to be a commitment there and and they've got to be willing to help develop everyone, whether that's a young lad who's coming through over here or whether it's a domestic player playing in Ireland. And more than, and, and I think for, for Ireland, it's about us as players helping create pathways for the domestic lads to get over here 
which um, over the last year, like we've had a couple of the younger lads come in to train at Salford, and you know, so that they get to see that experience, and then if they do, then step up to the senior play, they know what the levels expected to yeah. them. Yeah, is it's kind of creating that blend, and but doing it in the right way, and not putting people, in, players in positions where they're not ready for it yet, and obviously, you want it. Um, well, me as a player, I want to win it at all costs. So, it, yeah, there's a definitely a balance in acting in sure. the way that it needs to be managed. Because it's had a pretty good history of Ireland. I mean, I, I go right back to like so when Brian Carney emerged and Brian played at the, the Four Nations Student Championship up in Glasgow. I, I remember playing from Scotland A versus Ireland A in Kilmarnock and Steve O'Neill came yeah. to watch him. And he was the Ireland coach at the time and actually he was the one who recommended or started the process of recommending him to Gateshead where Brian started off. And then I can remember a number of years ago, a couple of lads I think went to St. Helens yeah. uh, and played there. So there's always been a pretty good um, uh, as you say, pathway happening there, you know, and, and some of the guys have been on. Obviously, Mark Aston, you know, a few years ago was helping guys get to get to Sheffield. Carl Duchenne comes to comes to mind. Um, probably a few years since he came over, but there's definitely the talent there, isn't there? It just needs to be given the opportunity. Yeah, the, obviously, with with the Gaelic games, they they're the biggest sports, like you, you would say, and then you got football, but rugby union's probably the biggest professional sport in Ireland in terms of the clubs and the amount of talent that can't get through them systems <laughs> the, the, the option for rugby league for them and we, like I said the, the talent that's there is, and I think that's what they've seen now with I think there's a real strong under 16s age group that um, they're hoping that a couple of their lads are actually saying if you can get a contract in league they'd, they'd prefer that because they prefer enjoying the game and it's about getting them opportunities, and, and I've not read too much into the, the the new European competition, but the actual, what from what I'm seeing, if they can get to play at a, a higher level than what they're playing in Ireland, that's only going to help develop them. And um, I think Ronan, who's who's based at um, with Huddersfield now, he, he's a great example. He's yeah. only 18, 19 year old lad, and. He was actually one picked to go and have a transfer with Canberra, and unfortunately, because of the pandemic, he's been recalled. But they're they're opportunities that, obviously, there's there's no substitute to those experiences. And the more that we can create them pathways for the lads, um, and to be fair, Casey Dunne, he's he's one of the directors now, and he's set up like a clubs team, and he's been bringing lads over and. From the best out of their domestic league and playing against some of the reserve championship teams and um, and it's been a bit of an awakening probably that how how much development there is still to do for them to compete at that level and um, but the, the only way they're going to get better is by playing more and more and more league and I think uh, having a an a professional Irish team is probably the long long term goal but. We've got to create avenues, like you say. There's there's been some small successes, but I don't think there's been enough investment there to, to kind of warrant the success that people would might think that they could get. Yeah, we'll come back to some more thoughts on international rugby league on 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 the future. But I, I wanted to just touch on a, a tangential 
um, piece of uh, you know project you got involved with. And it's probably the first time I had some contact with you, which was the Full Blood Project. Yeah, uh, that was you know, particularly based around I think Fiji and Gambia. I think was yeah. right. Just yeah. want to explain to everybody what that actually was and what was the impact you had. Yeah, so when uh, 2012, at the end of that season, I decided I wanted to go out to Africa and do some volunteering. And so I went with a group called Give, and it was just a just a bit of a model group put together who, who all had the same intentions of wanting to go and experience and give back over there. And, and it was probably one of the best experiences of my life in terms of just opening uh, and, gr- and gratitude and the kids over there and the people are just so grateful for your time and and then when I come back and when you compare it and just like kids wanting stuff and it just put a bit more perspective in my, in my life and um, my, and two of my mates they'd been working out in Fiji for a, a group uh, for a company called Think Pacific and they did pretty much the same thing gap year students going out and um, like, like you see, building skills and in, in remote villages and things like that. And then I think that we both we both come across like talented athletes, like on um, like by doing our you know like like our, our activities. And I remember one lad in Gambia, and we we tied him over a football pitch, and it was like around ten eleven seconds, and he's running on like sand, and I was like. The reason why he's not gonna ever get noticed is just out of opportunity. He's not got an opportunity to like he he, he just loved football, but he was a sprinter all day, every day. And he and then I was thinking, how many people like and you hear it all the time in the NRL, don't you? Of the lads who have come over from Fiji and the, the, the islands and, and and they just play rugby. They they're just talented athletes who are fast, skillful players. That set the world alight, and it's just if them opportunities aren't there, then one, it's a disservice to them, but it's a disservice to the game. So we kind of had a mindset of just trying to create create something that could help promote the the sport as one, and it, obviously rugby, and then get them playing a game which was new to them, and one, just giving them an opportunity to play, and but two, educating them along along alongside and in in Fiji. The lads ended up work like working with the Fiji NRL whilst going over to different islands and working with lads and a couple of them boys are then ended up in NRL systems um, and obviously in, in Gambia the the stuff was more about participation and just getting the game going and I mean obviously because um, the girls don't really play sport over there so we ended up doing badminton with the girls. Um, and then rugby league with the boys, and it was just about encouraging them to play sport. And then alongside was trying to get them to understand a bit more about health and and, and different things like that. Um, but yeah, it was more of a just allow kids to fulfil the, their their potential and giving them an opportunity to to do that. Um, yeah. And off the back of that, we've, we we were, and whenever we've done any fundraising, we've had such great support, and we. we employed two coaches to you go out into the community and um and deliver these sessions for the whole year while we're like we weren't going back and, and we revisited and then um my wife helen she led that group with and then we put the first rugby posts up in gambia um through just like obviously funding uh, fundraising 
Um, and some people say, is that what they actually need? But at the end of, like, when you talk about health and stuff, but they're the little things that they don't get to, to appreciate because because of money and is always an issue. And for us to go and do something like that, they're, they're really proud and appreciate it too. Yeah, no, and I, I can certainly um, understand, uh, you know, that quality of athlete and the opportunity. I, I had fortunate to be at the Middle East Championships in Nigeria yeah. uh, in, in October, the first ever ones, and, and the facilities were very, very basic, but there's some fantastic athletes. There. And even just this week, you know, I, I know on the European Feder- Rugby League European Federation Twitter, you know, footage of training and matches in Cameroon. Yes. Yeah, basic that. facilities, but, you know, great athletes um, who... who you know, and it is a common factor. You know, you talk there about some of the Irish guys, you know, the domestic players probably played a lot of lot of union, but they've they, they've played some rugby league and they they, they prefer it. There's there's a there's a basic appeal to it, isn't it? You you, you can get involved all the time in the in the sport, and um, yeah, I think that is just a question of just providing those opportunities around the globe. So what what's you know you're obviously now a well well established professional player. Uh, you you know eleven years and counting on your your Ireland career, what's, what's, if you had to pick out one moment um, beyond your, beyond your debut, what would be the moment stand out in terms of Ireland and your career you've had so far? Um, I think it's quite difficult, obviously making your debut, but because of the fashion that you win, it kind of, um, one of the best games I'd say I've played in is that Italy game, personally, because, um, it was in Cairns, and I'd went to Cairns in 2014 to play Q Cup, and I was playing for Northern Pride, and that game was in their in, on their home venue, and so it was kind of for me returned back to. So this was 2017, two years after I'd left, and obviously loads of people who were new there supporting us, and pretty much we were written off that Italy were going to smash us off the park. They had the likes of Tedesco playing Vaughan. We've gone on to obviously greater things with Origin and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, we weren't given a chance. And then that day, we just went out there. And when you mentioned before what, what about what the coaches do, well, I think they play the underdog card quite well. And I think it, it does. It, it, when you're an underdog, you have that bit of extra fight. And we went out that day and we just kind of we blew them off the park, really. And then we give ourselves an opportunity going to PNG and playing in that crowd there. And it's just, unfortunately, it wasn't to, to be that day. But, yeah, the, the one game that I really enjoyed and I think was was that uh, the game against Italy and Cairns. Yeah, well, I, I, I was there and I think, you know, the whole Irish team played extremely well. But I do remember Liam Finn doing his usual orchestring, you know, just yeah. manoeuvre. Bring everyone around the park, coming in at the right time. The kick here, the kick there. You know, he, he really has been a, a great servant, hasn't he, for Ireland Rugby League, Liam? Oh, Liam's been fantastic, and I think over the years, when you're in, a, like when you're playing in and out, and like he is one that's been there. Obviously, he's, he's hung his boots up at the international level now, and yeah. but he has. He's, he's been great, and hopefully, he'll still stay still involved in terms of helping out and. Um, sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, that like that, that that day, like you say, the the actual team that we put out to, and that, that's where the frustration comes in because we believe, like when we looked at 
the England team that year, they went on to the World Cup final. We we believe we would give England a good game if we had beaten PNG. Um, and that and that's something that's kind of frustrating when the year after the because of funding or whatever that those teams can't stay together. Um, yeah. At the same time, then like you say, you, you, you're gaining a lot more in terms of the commitment and pride from the lads that step in. Sure. Okay, so you, you know you you've got a long career in international rugby league. Uh, what would be your thoughts about trying to take it forward in the future? What, what would you like to see happen? Um, well, we, I'd I'd love to see um, them use the Great Britain model um, in which in the which they this the students do, and um, I'm not sure if everyone is aware, but pretty much they have a European nations, and then out of that they'll pick um, a Celtic team and. And then against, and they'll go and play against England, and that's pretty much like a test match for the Great Britain jerseys. And obviously, I know that Great Britain don't intend to play every year, but I think having that kind of, um, if that pathway was there, then you know the lads in that who play for Ireland know that they they've got an opportunity then to reach and play against the, the best best teams, and I think it's a. Because uh, I've even seen this year that England are on about play might play exiles next year, and I think whether that could be included in the home nations, I think it would be massively beneficial for the whole game over here. Um, so you, you you could see England playing a, a Celtic, Celtic. Yeah, I think if you look back at the history, going back 50, 60 years, England versus other nationalities, but the yeah. same concept, isn't it? You you yeah. talked about. Yeah, definitely. I think because the exiles concept is, I think over the last two years with the imported talent from Australia it's obviously gone up a bit and um but yeah I think if if we could do something like that because we know that everyone's kind of realistic if we put France has probably seen the strongest nation in Europe other than England and obviously England say well we beat them by 50 so it's it's not a good test so it's coming up with ways that not only benefit England but it actually benefits the whole international game, and and that's something I I, I've, I I think I've said it for a number of years. I think for, and that'll help Ireland build because those lads will, will stay with Ireland and not have to change to sometimes with England. And don't get and like, I know I would never do it, but and people say they wouldn't. But if someone's saying it's ten thousand pounds to go and play for England. Oh, you can stay with Ireland and play for nothing. It's hard to, yeah, even turn yep. that down. Even whether you like, regardless of you're born in England or not, I think, um, like it's been you've seen it in in Australia when Fiji lad, um, one who's playing rugby union now, he, he played for Australia and he just said, well, if I play for Australia, I can pay for my mum and dad to have a new house in Fiji, and it's, and I think as a game we have a kind of duty if we can kind of work out what benefits the whole game and everyone will reap the, the rewards and um, and I think the World Cup's a prime example of that we, we invested in the, in the World Cup at every four years and we put all these great teams together and it's a spectacle I think more than spectacles we can create at international level the better in the whole game like Super League yeah. Championship yeah. down or obviously keep the World Cup every four years and Ireland being able to get to that along with all the all the you know, it's Scotland, Ireland, Wales, England, and, and so on. 
and and then potentially um, in that other odd year, say say uh, 2023, have the Great Britain opportunity, as you say. And perhaps really important to that in the, in the even years, 22 and 24, is the European Championships. And would you want to see an England team in there, even if it's not, even if England are playing New Zealand or Australia that year, still put an England team in? Because that, that sort of speaks to that that student model again, that, you know, that it's it's the European Championship. Yeah, I, I definitely saw it. In terms of, like, the bigger picture, I think the branding of the Knights doesn't work well because it's, like, England second team. Yeah. But if it was just England and, obviously... They chose those players. I think, like you say, is from a commercial point of view and all them aspects. I don't think it really matters. But yeah, I think it's something that it. it I just know it would add value. I know that if I'm play, playing for Ireland and then there's a jersey, or even if it was just a team that got named at the end of the tournament, say these are the best seventeen players out of that comp, then I'm going. To, Gonna prove my, well, put put my best foot forward to prove that I'm better than what the people are opposite me, and yeah. um, and which I can think, can only think would be beneficial to the whole game, and like you're yeah. saying, it to help. So I just see how it can help on so many different avenues in terms of development. But getting what obviously England speak about a competitive game against them, and um, and at the moment that might be. With a few Australian lads are put in there, and over time, hopefully, that Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, if it was went out to France, that they could develop enough talent to make sure that that was a one seventeen team that got to play against them. I just think when you look at what the Aussies are, uh, NRL have done with the international round, I think, I think that, that that's helped the Tongan kind of. Um, vehicle start moving and then off sure. the back of that they've, they've gathered support but if they didn't have an international round where the players were released and, and things like that and they, they were just nothing games I don't think then the the big name players that then put their hands up then turn to go and play for Tonga I think it's there's got to be a catalyst that, that starts the fire Yeah and I think you're, you're right there's a good point I mean Ireland would argue Okay, a few years ago now, but I think Barry and Barry McDermott and Terry O'Connor would argue went pretty pushed with a good Ireland team. I think in the 2000 World Cup pushed England pretty hard. Um, you know, Scotland obviously got into the Four Nations in I think 20, 2016 and, and and you know certainly went in at half time neck and neck with England. Although they, they they pulled away in the second half. So when you can put a good team on the part, one that's built up over a number of years and has sort of got the strongest amount of players, then yeah, that there can be a good contest, which is what England England wants and everybody wants to see. And it is probably a question of having a high enough profile to to bring in some funding that allows Scotland, Ireland, and Wales to bring together their their best players. So I think that's a that's a common ambition that everyone would like to see for sure is there anything else that you if you could wave a magic wand you know an international league that you might say i'd like to change this um i like them all to have real nice big stadiums <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah no there's probably they're the aspects is obviously the nitty and gritty and i think driving the, those standards at the international level i think sometimes um without sounding disrespectful that it's, it is seen as a, a drop down from playing Super League, and when you you do go to like I know a joke then about the venues, but it's about if we can raise all the all them standards around around the international games, and not just for the World Cup, 
then I think that just makes the game so much more attractive, uh, whether that's investors, future players. Or, and that's kind of what, what I'm suggesting with that whole concept, is that if Ireland are in a position to beat England, I think that turns more Irish eyes into watching watching that game. And, um, and I think it, we've got to have a, a long-term vision about it, because I think the game itself never really has... Well, you know about calendars, and I think that's that's a, another big one that would I think would help the game dramatically is having that four-year plan out in the public, and players know about it. And if they they then know, because I think you'll know that players sometimes book holidays and then halfway through the season, and then the fixtures come out afterwards, and it's like, oh well, I ever lose out on this holiday and cost me this much, and then they don't play, and you're like. So they're the little teething things that I've, I've found really frustrating over the years, and uh, and for me, it's always seemed quite straightforward. If you just if the fixtures or the calendar was already set, then that and someone books a holiday, that's, that shows that they don't that they don't care <laughs> enough. Yeah, just it's interesting because um, I'm just saying you've, you've you've come full circle a bit now. You're, you're you're back involved with the student game, but as 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 a coach, head coach of uh, Salford. How's that going? Yeah, it's been a, a totally new challenge, really. Um, obviously, I did a bit of coaching uh, with Warrington in their academy on the 16s. And when I went out to Australia, I was like the assistant of their like, junior setup uh, performance wise. So, but they were working with elite kids, the best kids that were available to them. And with the shooting, it's pretty much a social team. and. Um, trying to get them on board in terms of fitness and commitment is it, it has been a good challenge for me in terms of how I've had to change of tact and how I deliver things and uh, making me more aware of how how I deliver and obviously when you're in them professional environments it's easy to be strict all the time um, but you can't really have that 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 way when when you when lads are just turning up to yeah. kind of socialise with the mates, and we had a bit of a. So I think we were, we won four games out of seven, which we won the first three. So I thought it was flying, <laughs> and then we, we took okay. some we took took some heavy defeats, and then they won yeah. the varsity game, which that was all the lads cared about. So okay, that was nice. Um, so, you, so you avoided the dreaded vote of confidence from the board, then? Yeah, oh yeah, they, they've asked me to to carry on. For the next okay. year. Good. There you go. So, yeah. so I'm sure you've got you know a number of years yet playing wise, and and including with you know the the, the top level and 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 along with your international career. But you know, um, could could be the Ireland head coach position. Could that be something that you would be an, an ambition? Obviously, giving Stuart plenty of time to do a good job. But you know, post him, uh, is that something that would uh, motivate you? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, it it would be an honour too if if I I was um, good enough to do that that job. It would definitely be something that, well, I, I, in my mindset, if if I do see, have a career in, in that coaching, and I do go down that route when I finish, I definitely would. It would definitely be on my radar, and um, I think to go and do that as a coach and say that you've played and coached the team, and not not many people get to do that, so it would be a huge honour to do that. Okay. Listen, Tyrone, thank you so much for your time. It's been really fascinating to hear 
uh, about your journey. Um, I think what comes out to me is just that affinity you have. And you're right, there has been down the years some um, criticism from perhaps those who haven't really uh, delved in a bit deeper about some heritage players. Well, this is, you know, I think you've heard tonight from, from yourself, everybody, just how how close, you know, you are in terms of your thoughts about Ireland and the strong connection with through your, your granddad. And, and to compare the, your your first try for Ireland to the same level as the Challenge Cup, you know, just shows the, the desire and the commitment you've got for Ireland. So, um, Tyrone, I wish you a continued career, both, you know, in Super League and across with Ireland, and uh, hopefully you get back playing soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks, everybody. That wraps up our uh, fourth uh, podcast. Um, Obviously, across Europe, uh, uh, there is uh, different uh, stages of lockdown and coming out. And we've seen some some rugby league beginning to be played in the likes of Serbia and and, and Czech. Uh, So we hope that you're staying healthy and safe safe at this time. And hopefully coming soon, if it's not come already, is a chance to re-engage with the, the sport we all love, rugby league. Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back.